0: And this is why I think I'm such an advocate for creating safe spaces mm. where I see you yeah, and I accept you. I remember when I went to Canada and I'm in the safe space now. Mm. And my mentor is like, basically, if you never did another thing or success or achievement or experience any level of uh, you know this upward trajectory and that's been the driving force behind your life, I see you and I accept you. Mm. There's nothing you could ever do to make me love you more. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And then also simultaneously, if you failed and failed and failed, yeah. there's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. Yeah. Like you're fully accepted here. Yeah. And that's when I felt safe enough to be like, oh, I can start pulling off these facades. I can start pulling off these masks. I can start making the secrets visible. mm yeah. The secrets that were creating so much shame in my life. Yeah. Right. And putting them on the table and saying, could we have a conversation about this? Yeah. Absolutely. Cause I felt safe.
1: Yeah. Hey everyone, I'm Kara.
0: And I'm Caleb and welcome to the Kara and Caleb Show.
1: When it comes to life, we believe it is so important to ask the right questions, but also to learn how to live in the tension and the uncertainty of those questions.
0: Yes, when we learn to live in the tension of unanswered questions, we become more resilient, more radiant, and more human.
1: On this podcast, we explore the questions that have shaped and defined the lives of our guests.
0: And then we dive deep into the beauty and the transformational process that occurs as we wait for answers that may or may not come as we expected.
1: So join us as we explore what's possible when we are able to rest in the tension and live the questions of our lives right now. I've got the heart of a hero. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Kara and Caleb, and happy Friday. It's Friday over here. It's
0: Friday.
1: I love Friday. Oh, my
0: God. What's that song? It's Friday. It's Friday. I can't sing for the life of me. (laughs) what's that old song with Friday, but uh, Black, what's her last name? Something Black? I don't Um, know.
1: Is it It's Friday Night? No.
0: No? No. She just came out and talked about how she got all that childhood success success on that one uh, song. Mm. And how it sent her down, like just oh, the Friday song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she actually like came out, I think, just here recently and started to talk about how that song like just sent her down this, like I think, a spiral. Really. Of depression. Oh man. Yeah, but she's back.
1: Oh, she's making a comeback. I think she did with a Saturday song or what? Maybe I. sunday session? i have
0: no idea i hope it's another day of. but this. anyways we hope and trust you are having a great <laughs> um start to your weekend we, and do. we before we say anything else we just want to say thank you to all of our listeners um and for everyone who's taking the time to subscribe and rate mm-hmm. and leave uh, a review yeah. one of you left a three-star review and you whoever you are Do not expect an invitation to any dinner we're doing. (laughs) It's okay. You can (laughs) be honest about how you feel. I know. But honestly, uh, thank you for... Yeah, no shame here. Thank you for everyone who's taken that time to leave a review. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it honestly helps us and it means so, so much to us.
1: it really does. So thank you for all of you who have done that. If you haven't and you feel like leaving a review, we will take it. We will definitely take it. We will take take your feedback.
0: Yes. And something that we just kind of announced last week... I've taken the time to kind of put a website together, karencaleb.com. Karen mm-hmm. and Carol with a K, yes.
1: Caleb with the C. <laughs> Good job,
0: babe. But something that I wanted to do and that we wanted to do was to take questions, right? And so there is um, a, a page on that website where you can actually submit a question through a Google Doc form. It's mm-hmm. your name, your location, and just the question, super simple. And what we're going to be doing, I think, is one episode during the month. Uh, each month, we will answer questions. Yeah. To the best of our ability, and maybe we'll even bring on like more so-called experts. Mm-hmm. We love all the experts, but have experts on answering questions too. Yeah. And we've been getting a few. We actually just got one today that I would. It was a good question, so I think we should actually tackle it and tackle this question. I like it. Um. So Nancy, she said, "My question is, how do I get respect from others?" Whether it's my husband or my boys that are 20 and 22, Mm. I have tried so many ways and I just keep felling at it.
1: Oh, man.
0: Nancy, Nancy. first off, thanks for asking that question. Secondly, I'm so sorry that you are in the midst of that right now. And Uh, feeling
1: disrespected. That's so Feeling
0: disrespected and feeling like you're felling at it. I would like Mm. to reframe that. Uh, You're not felling at it. Uh, I just think. It's just not happening yet. (laughs) But that felling, right? It's just so easy to say I'm felling at it. And then you take on the the self-hatred and the shame of thinking, you know, if you were better or if you were this or that you were that, this wouldn't be an issue. And that's just not the case.
1: Well, it's interesting, too, like when we want something, when we focus on the opposite of it, we actually invite more of that opposite into our lives, right? Mm -hmm. So if I want respect... But then I keep thinking about how I'm not respected and I keep thinking about it. My mind actually energetically will pull in more disrespect, right? right?
0: But those are all opportunities for you to be Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm being disrespected right now. And I'm not trying to make light of this because I've been in situations and relationships where I've been immensely disrespected and I don't think anybody should have to go through that. But if I'm trying to teach myself self-respect, if I'm trying to learn how to get others to respect me every time someone disrespects me, you're not failing at it. It's providing you with an opportunity to actually respond differently, Mm. to see what you need to see that you might not be able to see yet, to respond differently and create this environment of self-respect and respect mm-hmm. with other people. So it's not that you're failing at, it's just opportunities to grow every time you do encounter a situation where somebody is disrespecting you.
1: Yeah. I think, I think too, there's an aspect where I would, I would just say to really validate how painful that is, mm-hmm. you know, to really understand in yourself how hurtful that is to not feel respected. Um. And being really honest with yourself and, and maybe even your husband and sons about your feelings. Yeah. I think that's a big piece. Sometimes I think... But that's vulnerable to do. It's so vulnerable. Especially
0: if you don't feel safe enough to be honest with your feelings. Yeah. I think this becomes about... This is between Nancy and Nancy mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Right? It's true. It's and an internal journey. Yeah. This is like uh, if, if I'm not being respected by the people around me I think my first question for me personally as I have navigated this is, how do am I respecting myself? Yeah. And the way that we can begin to build self-respect is by getting clear on our boundaries, what's allowed, what's not allowed, and then taking the responsibility to communicate those boundaries because mm-hmm. people cannot read our minds. Yeah. And so we have to clearly communicate those boundaries. And then the next step where we really do... Build self-respect and really part of what building self-trust looks like, it's holding yourself accountable to those boundaries and holding other people accountable to those boundaries. And that's when it gets really hard. Mm. That's when like the staring contest happens it's like yeah. you're playing chicken yeah driving the car you know like are you gonna move first am I gonna move first but yeah do but not to the boundaries budge mm-hmm. hold yourself to those boundaries even if that means whatever that means and then over time you're building self-respect towards yourself that you mm-hmm. know what I can have I hard can conversations I can stand up for myself mm-hmm. I can be in the thick of it and not budge
1: yeah that's really good ge- really good going back to what I was saying I with the communication piece it is really vulnerable but I think sometimes as women uh, again, sweeping stereotype, but sometimes as women, I think it's harder for us to be so direct about what we need and what we want. And sometimes I think it's a little bit easier for men. And I would say that. Yeah. And I think even in relationship with you, I feel like there's times where I just need to be so direct. Like this is exactly what I want and this is exactly what I need. And you respond really well to that. Um, so I think that's another piece, too, of of getting very clear in communication and direct around Yeah, maybe ways that you feel disrespected. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. totally.
1: Being willing to have that hard conversation.
0: Absolutely. And then just being able to have that conversation um, and not expecting the response that you want. It's Mm -hmm. almost like you have to suspend (laughs) your expectation of how you think they should respond. Yeah. Right. And that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. But what you've got to do is you've got to respect yourself. And okay. that's where it starts. Even if they don't respond the way that you hope or you wish, or you want them to respond, mm-hmm. you're going to respond accordingly. Yeah. And so Nancy, I would just encourage you that anytime you're sitting in there in a, situ- a situation where you feel like you're being disrespected, first off again, as Kara said, we're so, so sorry. Cause it's so immensely painful. Yeah. But these are opportunities for you to learn how to better respect yourself and to level up and to show up as your best self Yeah. Um, and good. not count on their response or, uh, how you think or you hope they're going to respond mm. or treat you but really hold yourself accountable um, to learning how how do you want to respond don't play mm. their game how do you want to respond and so yeah hope that helps yeah. and yeah sending you all the love and light your way
1: yeah and we would love if any of you have questions send them our way you can find those at Kara and submit a question submit a question uh babe how great was last night
0: it was amazing. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I know. Especially since like going into, we had a, a connect dinner. Uh, you can actually learn more about that, but we kind of talk about it often. Uh, so much of what Kara and I do is we, we long to create safe environments where people can better connect to themselves and connect to other people and to have a greater sense of who am I and why am I here? And it happens through connection. So how do we mm-hmm. create safe environments that help foster that transformation of connection? And Kara is the most amazing person. Cook chef in the world. She <laughs> she's is a amazing. magician with food, and uh, so we've had just these amazing opportunities of having this in, you know invite only mm-hmm. guest where fifteen to twenty people come into mm-hmm. this amazing space. Yeah, and it's the food is only in the beginning.
1: Yeah, the food is only the beginning. Yeah. It's true. We uh, we really love creating spaces for people to gather, um, because when we do that, when we gather around food. It's just a natural place for connection to happen. Yeah. And um, food is something that is physically nourishing, but an experience around a table can be emotionally and mentally nourishing as well. So these connect dinners are really fun because we get to create spaces where, yes, we are eating really good food and <laughs> drinking really good wine, but we're also engaging in conversation and slowing down and really practicing being present with one another and stepping out of our comfort zones too. I, I think everyone who came last night, was a stranger to each other. I'm
0: so amazed by that. Oh,
1: it's so brave. It's It's honestly so brave brave to sign up to go to somebody's house. A random person. Who you don't know. This one girl walked in and she was like, I just want to make sure I'm not joining a cult. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it's not a cult. Definitely. Uh, But last night was epic. We had, we had Ripley and Ben host us, Ripley Raider. She's an incredible designer here in LA and her studio is so gorgeous. And so they opened up their home for us. Speaking of Friday, their dog is called Friday and she is, the best and then yeah we these dinners are meant to go from 7 to 10 but we got out of there at 12 30 12 30 we just kept the conversation going it was yeah. so so and fun. i love the
0: conversations that happen because it's all about connection mm-hmm. right connecting with yourself and i love the the food dynamic of it because the food in and of itself it draws you into the present moment yeah um and mindfully eating and all that com- the things that we do in these in these dinners but the conversation always comes up where we're designed physiologically wired for connection. Mm-hmm. Right. It's what's what we are wired for. It's in our DNA, connection. But at some point in time in our lives, disconnection happens. Yeah. We're wounded, we're betrayed, we're lied to. And that's why inner healing and all the the, the, the conversations happening around you know inner child healing is so incredibly important because mm-hmm. we have the opportunity, the tools and the resources now and the understanding to go back and to reparent the little child inside of us that was taught to believe that connection isn't safe. Connection is where we're the most wounded or when yeah. we open ourselves up to experience connection, that's when we're betrayed, lied to, rejected, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And that severs our connection, connection to ourselves, and connection to other people, which really are the gateways or the doorways to understanding or having a greater understanding of answering the two, maybe, you know, m- more, more cliche, but yet so profound questions in our life. Who am I? And why, why am I, am I here? here? Yeah. And so at these dinners, it's always amazing because we provide um, through a series of questions, opportunities for people to kind of look back at their own lives and say, wait, when did the disconnection happen? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I think too, it's interesting that culturally it's easier to stay disconnected, oh, right? Yeah. Like it's much it's more safe. convenient. It's safe. It's perceived to be safe and how terrifying to walk into a, room of 20 strangers and have intentional conversation Mm -hmm. when you could stay at home and be on your phone Mm -hmm. watching strangers lives from a distance. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it really is the harder choice. Um, but the choice that actually satisfies the human soul, because you're right, we, we are longing to feel connected. Um, yeah. And I, I love that those these environments facilitate that for people we had we had um people from all different walks of life last night we had a surgeon we had a designer we had a party planner we had
0: a video like a producing agency oh yeah
1: we had so many different people and everyone brought just their presence which was so cool yeah and and every time we do this truthfully it was so interesting coming into dinner last night i i was feeling quite disconnected i was like Mm -hmm. i don't I don't know if I have the energy to do this. I came off of a retreat Mm -hmm. this weekend where I had, I had been cooking for people for three days straight and just having a little bit of a come down. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I have capacity for this, but what's so fascinating is, is just by showing up and choosing to be there. I feel like I gained so much. I did too. Yeah.
0: I walked away full. So full. Yeah. Physically and emotionally. Yeah.
1: It was really amazing.
0: Talking about disconnection. Yeah. Um, What's been your journey of reconnecting through yourself, or why, mm. or what did disconnection look like for you? Yeah. Um, or yeah.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's a hard <laughs> but good question because I think it is it is the question I'm we
0: actually more so curious, especially with you, is how do you armor up? Yeah. When you're living a disconnected life, right? Yeah. If we're afraid of being exposed in life. Mm. If we're afraid of being exposed because the narrative is, if you see the real me, mm. there's no way that you would accept me, level me, or love me, mm. right? You're going to label me, you're going to judge me, mm-hmm. and that's going to threaten intimacy, it's going to threaten connection, so I'm going to armor up, yeah, right? I want to yeah. put all these facades out into the world. How mm. have you, or uh, using armored up is from obviously Brene Brown, but mm-hmm. what does armoring up look like to you? Yeah. Well, or did it look like to you?
1: yeah. I kind of want to jump back to that first question to start it. And then I can go to the armored up question because I think asking if we're all craving connection, then we need to ask why are we ever feeling disconnected, Mm -hmm. right? Like why does disconnection happen? And you touched on it, but I think for me, when I think about, Oh gosh, when I think about disconnection, it's interesting that I work in food and that has become my life job. Um because I want to create connection for people around a table around food, right, but I feel like food was actually, and my body was a a very disconnective experience for me um I think I can trace back to probably in my childhood to like age thirteen my first experience of disconnecting from myself really? yeah, um, and I think uh. This ties in with the Enneagram and being a seven and not wanting to feel pain, but I have a very visceral memory of being thirteen and our family going through a traumatic event and choosing to disconnect from my body. And
0: You actually remember that moment. Yeah. Wow.
1: Because the pain felt too big. Like I didn't know what to do with the pain. So I feel like I numbed the pain with my body. And what does that mean? Uh it means uh using food abusively to numb an emotion. Right. And I feel like it was this experience of, of just not wanting to feel right. Like not wanting to, to feel all of the pain. So for me, I disconnected. And then I think that just, that carried through in patterns in my life. And I, I mean, I've shared this a little bit on the podcast, but I operated in so much self-hatred and so much mm-hmm. self-destruction in my early years and didn't know that there was another way. Like, I, th- it just all felt very normal. Like, coping with emotion felt normal. Um, and so I think that was a massive barrier to connection for yeah. me. And a massive barrier in relationships, too, because I would allow myself... I always say that I was controlled vulnerable. And especially as a seven... We we can speak the language of vulnerability, but not actually ever be vulnerable. Yeah. So people would give me feedback of like, you're so open, you're so vulnerable. But inside I felt like I'm lying to you. Like I'm not actually fully I can I can relate to allowing that. myself to be seen in this in this moment. And and really being terrified of that, right? Yeah. Like really being terrified of what would happen if you did fully see me. Um or like or just wondering if it was necessary. Like, do you actually need to see the real me? Yeah. Am I comfortable just maybe with you seeing 90% yeah. of me? Um, and I think I think through a lot of inner healing and a lot of <laughs> reorienting my ability to feel, um, that naturally allowed me to connect to people in a in a better way. But I do have this memory. I had a conversation with <clears throat> a girlfriend probably two years ago. And she offered me the feedback. She said, because I said in the conversation, I said, I feel really disconnected from myself. Mm. And she looked at me and she was like, you know, Kara, I I don't really think you disconnect from yourself. I don't think you're someone who even knows how to disconnect from yourself. She said, but I do think you know how to disconnect from your body. And I was like, interesting. And I think it was the first time somebody had verbalized that experience to me. And sometimes what it looks like is I will, I will leave my body and operate in my head, right? Like I will sever the connection between my head and my body. Um, and I won't, I won't listen to my body in the way that I need to. And I I feel like that's been a ton of my work in the past couple of years is really reorienting this mind, body, gut, holistic operation in the world. Um, does that answer the yeah. first question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was long-winded. Oh, definitely. It was really long What does
0: armoring up look like for you?
1: So I think you could probably answer that for me, mm-hmm. but uh, armoring up means shutting down for mm. me. It means avoiding, and it means, like, this is too, it, this is too intense or too painful, so I don't want to deal with it. So I'll just, I will distract myself with something else, and that is, I feel like that for me is what it looks like to armor up, um and in relationship I think with you it's it's probably the most destructive because that's where the gold is found I right I need to talk about it <laughs> now <laughs> I can't talk about it I need to walk away Um balance but but that's where the gold is found is kind of pressing into that and yeah. and staying and it's interesting I like a um a macro version of this is that I last year was in so a year and a half ago was in so much pain in LA like I had come off of a traumatic season in England, and I was back in L.A., and I wanted to leave. I was like, I need to get out. This is the only way to not feel the pain I'm feeling is to leave. And I wrote a broke-up letter to L.A., Mm -hmm. and then I packed my bags, and I decided to move. And through a long series of events, I ended up staying. And I think that's kind of been this theme that I, I keep coming back to is stay when it's mm-hmm. hard. Like what does it look like to stay in when it gets really, really scary yeah. and hard?
0: When, I mean, I, I want to be very specific when you say that you yeah. are not in a toxic, abusive, emotionally no. abusive, any kind of like that type of relationship. or Right. Yes. Yes.
1: I don't mean stay when it, there's any Somebody form of you or destruction yes, and toxicity. Yes. Yeah. I mean stay when you're scared of yeah. of the vulnerability you're approaching. I remember when my mentor said
0: to me, said, Caleb, it's because you want to leave so bad, Mm -hmm. you have to stay. Oh, that's
1: good. I was like,
0: damn it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good.
0: (laughs) Because you want to leave so bad because you want to quit so bad. You have to push through.
1: Yeah. But I had a mentor say, it sounds like you're running away, not running towards. Mm -hmm. And I had to reevaluate my decision to leave because I I was, I, I didn't even know that I was, it didn't feel like a running away. But when I was honest with myself, I wasn't running towards anything, right? That's good. Like I was getting out. Yeah.
0: That's really good. Um, I think I have actually a moment too. um, As you were talking about, like you can remember a specific moment when the disconnection happened. Yeah. I think there actually was. And I know that there's so many things that I can go back to in my childhood. And it's funny because sometimes I'll be doing this work where I'll just be reading a book and I'm like, God. I want to call my mom right now. Mm. And I'm like, mom, do you remember this moment or did something happen with this yeah. moment? Because I can like really relate, especially if I'm reading somebody's story, I can really relate to that. And then they'll be talking about like this, this moment that happened in time that created all these like onset of symptoms or experiences. And I'm like, did this happen to me? Um, and I do remember while there's so many different childhood moments, I remember in high school I had like, I'm, oh my God. I had like the most sensitive heart. <laughs> like the most sensitive heart. And I remind you, I didn't curse. I didn't drink. I didn't have sex. I didn't, um, uh, do drugs, I didn't party, like, my life was very much, like, I, I loved God so much, and grew up in the church, and I just was so deathly afraid of making a mistake, mm. and I think, look, I was more afraid just of the wrath of my mother, um, <laughs> or my parents, and mm. who were amazing parents, but yeah, and I, so high school was like a, I walked a straight and narrow path, right, yeah. but I was so immensely bullied, you know, I wrote my first suicide note when I was 16. And I was just like, I'm done with this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just done with feeling like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. I'm done with if I can't be myself and, you know, do what I value in life without being bullied or, you know, pushed to the side or labeled or made fun of, you know? And there were some really drastic things that happened to me where I'm just like, okay, this is it. I'm done. And mm-hmm. suicide was legit. I remember typing out a note and going to my friend's house. Um, Freddie to ask him because he had a printer. We didn't have a printer that worked at the time. And I said, will you print this off? And he said, yeah. And he he, he opened it up on Microsoft Word and he basically looked at the note and then he looked at me and he got tears in his eyes and he's like, can we talk? And I remember thinking like, God, mm. if you didn't ask that question, yeah, you know, like what would have happened because I was done. Yeah. And no. I remember, I say all that because I remember when I graduated high school uh, and Right before I left for West Point, I had this moment where I said, I will do whatever it takes to fit in. Mm. I literally will do whatever it takes to fit in. I just want to be loved. Mm. I just want to be accepted. And I think that's when I went to West Point. I was like, this is a clean start. Nobody knows me. Nobody knows my parents. Nobody knows my family. Nobody knows my history. I'm going to do whatever it takes to fit in. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started drinking and that's when I started having sex. And that's when I started to do all these things because I just wanted to be accepted. Yeah. And that's really the beginning. I think when I really said, when I betrayed myself. Yeah all my morals and values and even as unhealthy as my morals and values were yeah. because it's so much of it was in it was driven by fear uh, the fear of like you know disappointing god or whatever it might be and just mm-hmm. what religion can do to you uh, i think that was when like really the monumental moment of disconnection happened in my
1: mm-hmm. life it's such a pendulum swing too right because you were operating out of fear so therefore you mm-hmm. didn't do things but then to swing the pendulum to the other side and your entire motivation- Do anything, yeah. but still fear. Yeah. Your entire motivation is is not healthy either. Mm-hmm. Like those things in and of themselves, yeah. sex, drinking, are not negative things, yeah. but the motivation for why- it. yeah, Yeah. For 100%. why you're choosing it. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's interesting because- for me, the, when, you know, fast forward a decade for me to start this journey of coming back home to myself, it took me to deconstruct faith. Yeah. It took me to deconstruct God um, to actually, I realized the fear that was driving my life forward and be like, oh, this wasn't wrong. There was just, it was just taught to me wrong yeah. like the, the nature of it, and the essence and the beauty of unconditional yeah. love and grace and all this stuff is like that's what I'm looking for yeah. but it took a deconstruction and you know that helped me immensely there's a direct correlation with my deconstruction of understanding God and actually the inner healing that led me to um greater levels of connection with myself mm-hmm. and with other people and with the greater whole yeah and so it's funny though in that time because oh my god I was the master of armoring up mm-hmm. um because I I hid behind my accolades I hid behind my success. I remember when I was bobsledding and I was in Lake Placid, New York, and I was having a conversation with a friend that I went to West Point prep school with. He didn't go on to West Point and I went to West Point prep school. And I remember calling him because the way that I armored up is I hid behind my success. I hid behind my achievements in life in so many different ways. And really, that's what I did. And I remember having a conversation because I called him and I just wanted him to be like, it's okay if you don't succeed it's okay. Mm. Right. And he said, the Caleb you wanted permission, huh? You wanted permission. I want a permission yeah. because I've always hid behind my successes. I like, I talk about it often, but I remember when I was six and my mom said, we love you so much because you score the game winning touchdown. You know, and what I heard was like, holy shit, I'm loved when I score touchdowns. Right. Mm. And that's literally been the driving force behind my entire life. It shaped me and such profound ways. Mm -hmm. And because of my chemical makeup, right, that created me in being a very much an overachiever. So if I can just create more success in my life, I'll experience deeper levels of love and Mm -hmm. acceptance. But I get get into these moments where I'm like, fuck, what if I fell? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like, what if I fell now? Like, oh my God, like Mm -hmm. people are going to see that I don't have what it takes and they're going to see the real me. And I remember calling my friend that day and being like, really just i'm not asking for permission to fail but wanting him to give it and he said the caleb campbell i know always finds a way and never fails and i was just like Yikes. Mm. Yikes. such a sweet <laughs> uh, affirmation but such a sweet yeah. but it was not what i was looking for but i remember that reaffirming the way that i armor up in life and it's let me let me throw around my successes it was never i'm caleb campbell it's like oh i'm caleb with the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Oh, I'm the West Point football kid that made history when I got drafted in the NFL. I'm the yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I always I Kara, I'm telling you, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> I would when I lived in Kansas City, this one I was really, I think, at the height of my insecurity because right after Kansas City and I got government, Kansas City is when I went to Canada mm. to start this journey. And so everything was really just rising to the surface, and the pressure was just getting too much to handle. Yeah. And I was so afraid of people seeing me as a fraud. I was so afraid of people seeing me as somebody that just doesn't have what it takes. And I would walk into restaurants, and like when I would walk by the host or something, oh my God, I would scratch my nose so that people would see my West Point ring. (laughs) And because I didn't want them <laughs> to look at me. Yeah. I didn't want them to look at me. Yeah. I wanted them to see my achievements. Yeah. Not me. Because it was like the but best at that
1: time you probably would have said that is you. Right.
0: No, I would. I would have. Yeah. Part of me. Yeah, yeah. But I knew I was doing it mm. out of a uh, an ill motive. I mm. knew I was doing it like, why are you like fronting all the time? Yeah. Like, I didn't know how to connect to myself. Yeah. I, I completely lost myself, right? Like, Brene just says this so beautifully, when we selectively numb our emotions, we numb the good and the bad, and that's yeah. what I've done for years, and I've perfected my ability to hide behind these masks, yeah. and I've just lived with that innate fear. If you see the real me, there's no way you'd accept me, mm-hmm. right? And so I would just hide in front, behind all my accolades, all my successes, or the maybe the girl that I was dating at the time, and I did not go for a relationship that has any sort of potential as much as I went for a relationship that would photograph Good. well yeah. or whatever it is, you know, and nothing, not saying anything bad about the women, just not the right person for me. And so, yeah, it's interesting of learning how to over time, especially when I moved to Canada and this is why I think I'm so, um, such an advocate for creating safe spaces mm. where I see you yeah, and I accept you. If yeah. you never did another thing, in your life i remember when i went to canada and i'm in the safe space now Mm. and my mentor is like basically if you never did another thing if you never if you never made another success or achievement or experienced any level of uh of you know this upward trajectory and that's been the driving force behind your life i see you and i accept you Mm. there's nothing you could ever do to make me love you more yeah and i was like wait what yeah and then also simultaneously, if you failed and failed and failed, yeah. there's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. Yeah. Like, you're fully accepted here. Yeah. And that's when I felt safe enough to be like, oh, I can start pulling off these facades. I can start pulling off these masks. I can start making the secrets visible. mm Yeah. The secrets that were creating so much shame in my life. Yeah. Right. And putting them on the table and saying, can we have a conversation about this? Yeah. Absolutely. Because I felt safe. Yeah. And going back full circle, it's like we're made for connection. Mm -hmm. Right. We are physiologically wired for connection. And there is, I think, a two-part journey here happening. It's A, when doing the work to begin to realize when did the disconnection happen, which is a journey. Yeah. It's not just maybe something that comes to you all of a sudden, but it's a journey, but also putting yourself in an environment. This is why you can probably attest to the power of onsite. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't listened to episode three with miles adcox, highly recommend it, but the power of onsite it's group therapy. Yeah. Right. And so you're in this environment, you're in this community of people and you, it's vulnerable, but you're safe. Yeah you're safe to show up and to be accepted for who you really are. But it's also uh, basically applying the perfect amount of pressure and vulnerability for you to take off those masks so that you can actually do the work. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me in Canada. Yeah. And so the question I think is like, okay, how do we begin to do the work yeah, of so good. reconnecting with ourselves by healing the wounded parts? Mm-hmm. And then also what goes hand in hand with that is how do I, I need to find a safe community. I need to find some sort of safe ecosystem where I can show up and actually do the work because you there, I think there is a level of work that you can do alone, mm. but you also need, um, work that's happening inside of the confines of a safe in environment, whether it's your in, in relationship, yeah. whether it's a therapist or group coaching or group counseling or whatever it is, yeah. um, because that's an all new added element of vulnerability that rises things to the surface that otherwise would never rise to the surface.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think one big piece for me when I think about when I began this journey was recognizing that many of us are taught to operate out of our self-esteem and we're not really taught self-compassion, right? And I I was having lunch with a girlfriend today, and I was telling her about a season in life where I was a disaster, and I was coping so intensely. And I told her the story of how I would wake up at 9 Mm a.m., And Charlie, my roommate at the time, would be getting coffee and getting ready to go to work. And I would walk into the kitchen, get a bottle of wine, make a (laughs) box of popcorn or a bag of popcorn and go back to my bed. And I told her the story and I told it so gently towards myself. And she was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so sorry that was happening to you. And I think it's really interesting when we can shift from self-esteem to self-compassion because in that moment, if I was operating from self-esteem, I would be like, oh my gosh, you are a disaster. Like all of the shame, all of the embarrassment, that is really disgusting to have wine wine and popcorn for (laughs) breakfast. But when I operate from self-compassion, I can say, oh my gosh, you're clearly so distraught and sad and something is so wrong that you feel like you need to treat your body this way. And so shifting that paradigm from self-esteem to self-compassion allows you to ask gently, like, why am I avoiding connection? Why am I, why am I allowing myself to treat myself badly? And I think that was a big question for me too, is when I'm having a hard time, why am I mean to me? Mm. Right? So if you're having a hard time, I'm not going to be mean to you. But when I'm having a hard time, I'm my natural <laughs> disposition is to be mean to me. Like get it together, Kara, like shape, sh- shape up and yeah. figure it out. And, and instead if we can sh- kind of shift that lens towards self compassion and say like, uh, again, it goes back to like all the yeah. inner child work and all of that, but like what's, time. what's going on? Like, what do you need right now?
0: Yeah, I can relate so much to that. Cause I remember when I realized that my self protection mechanisms of when I'm feeling triggered, Right? Like, I learned that to survive. Yeah, of course. When we're feeling vulnerable and we're feeling exposed, we self protect mm-hmm. because we're going to survive. But oftentimes, when we do that, because of all the knowledge that we have with healing and growth and being your best self and all this stuff, we realize that it's quote unquote wrong or we judge ourselves based on how we reacted. And then we can get so mad at ourselves because we think in our heads we know better. But our body hasn't forgotten that trauma. Our body hasn't forgotten what the fuck happened to us when we were six, seven, eight, nine years old or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. And so we react out of that self-protection. Yeah. Because we're still in survival mode. And it took me a while. But when I realized that, like, oh, my God, I love myself so Mm -hmm. much, I'm going to protect myself. Mm Mm-hmm through these self-protection mechanisms. So instead of being mad at myself, I showed myself compassion that like, wow, I love myself so much. I'm going to protect myself. However, there's a higher way of living life. I can move out of this fight or flight mode out of survival mode and move into thriving mode where I become aware of my triggering or my, when I'm activated and I deliberately choose to respond differently. Mm. I respond not as the wounded six-year-old boy, but I respond as my best self. Yeah. Based on all the awareness I've grown and have had over the years. And now it changes the trajectory of your life. Yeah.
1: That's so good. So we know that if you connect to yourself, uh, it's going to be easier for you to connect to other people. Absolutely. And it's going to be it's an, it's going to empower you to connect to the greater whole because that's how
0: you understand who you are why you're here.
1: Mm -hmm. Your greater purpose in the world. So if someone's listening and they would be like, I don't know how to connect to myself. What would you say? What's like a, a practical way of starting that journey of connecting to yourself?
0: Yeah. I think for, uh, for me learning how to connect to yourself is first and i know how cliche this sounds and it's something that i i'm starting to do more and more and i've did it for a while and i'm trying to get back into the daily practice of it it's just sitting for 10 minutes Mm. in silence and connecting to my breath and honestly i put my feet flat on the floor i put the palms of my hand on my thighs and i just breathe and i pay attention to my inhale Mm. and my exhale my inhale and my exhale, and you better believe it, my brain goes down a list of the to-dos. Yeah. And as soon as I catch it, and I'm observing that, oh, I'm I'm losing track here. Go back to my breath. Go back to my breath right? And I have good days and I have bad days. But I think for me, that's a simple practice of just when I connect to my breath, I'm connecting to the present. Mm. Uh, And you're going to be mad at yourself because you're going to show up and you're going to want to do it perfectly. Mm. You want to have this most amazing 10 minute meditative experience. But once again, you got to show yourself some compassion, but learning how just to connect to your breath is a great way to really make it simple. And that's going to be a doorway to help you better connect to yourself.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I feel like for me, a practice of writing has been huge even just taking five minutes to acknowledge my feelings name what i'm feeling and then attempt to be really curious about those things as opposed to place judgment on them because i think yeah i think connecting to ourselves really is just a daily practice of observing ourselves without judgment yeah of being kind to ourselves without yeah without um expectation to be anything other than what we are in this present
0: moment also food yeah <laughs> like food, really yeah, food like absolutely. if you are mindfully aware Mindful. of each chew you take yeah Right, because oftentimes we we are so busy with our daily lives, yeah. and we sit down and we eat, and it's just like we rush through our, and we're on the phones, or yeah. we're catching up with the day on what's going on, or we're reading the news, or listening to TV, or whatever it is. Yeah, food is an amazing opportunity for you just to stop, be mindful, yeah. be present, and pay attention to every chew. Yeah, I and mean you're really connecting to the experience.
1: Yeah, you know this about me, but I love making oatmeal in the morning, yeah. and not instant oatmeal. I want to make like my own oatmeal because it's a practice oatmeal ever it is kind of bougie but it's it's a visual experience for me and it slows me down where normally i could make instant oatmeal and then run into the next thing for me to take five minutes and do it on my own and make something beautiful to start the day with and have this contemplative experience around food for five minutes shifts my day awesome yeah
0: i love that well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Kara and Caleb. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out. Again, you can always submit a question at karaandcaleb.com slash submit a question. I think there's a hyphen between submit and a but, uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you. And, again, if you get something out of this podcast and you have not yet subscribed, rated, and left a review, you need to leave a review. We would uh, that's love really that. important. We would absolutely love that, yeah. but only if you want to. So, Thank, thank you guys you for
1: joining us. Yeah, and we, we are so honored to have you here, and we hope this blesses you as much as it blesses us. Yes. I've
0: got the heart of a hero.